Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you, Dan. Thanks for reading for us. Do keep your Bibles open at that reading from Psalm 84. It's page 595 in these pew Bibles. And you also find a handout, which is rather camouflaged this morning. It's the same color of green as the service sheet. That gives you a little uh, overview of where we're going in the next few moments, which you might find helpful to have to hand as well. As we look at God's word together, let me pray for all of us this morning. Our Father in heaven, we do come to you this morning with needy souls. We long for nourishment, for refreshment. And we ask that as we look now at your word, that we would indeed see Christ and see his glory. Please feed us richly that we might cling on to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we are at the start of a new academic year. Where has the summer gone? It's just flown by. And as we plunge into the term ahead, I wonder, what are we longing for in the months ahead? We live in a broken world. Life is hard. Often we feel exhausted and confused and overwhelmed by what is coming at us. And so very often as we look forward to the year ahead, we we long for something better, for an improvement in our lives. We we are people who long. And uh, thinking about Brexit, I wonder if that is part of the reason why we've seen such strong emotions um, at work with regards to Brexit, because we all long for a better future and we all have a an idea of what we think that future will be like. And when someone threatens our view of the future, well, we come out with, um, we come out fighting. What are we longing for in the year ahead? Maybe for some of us, it's a, it's a home, a better home. There, there's, a, there's a reason why programs like Grand Design have been so popular for, for almost 20 years now, because there's a, there's a part of each of us that longs to have a, a home that we feel safe and settled in, a home that we prize and love, where we can come in after a long day and lock the door and collapse in the sofa and know that we're safe and comfortable in our, in our houses, 
We long for homes. But more than that, we long for a sense of belonging, a place where we are known and loved and accepted for who we are. And it's, it's very hard to thrive in life without feeling at home in life. Maybe for some of us looking forward to the year ahead, we're longing for strength. We feel exhausted by the busyness of life. Maybe it's the burden of caring for other people who are sick or or needy, family members maybe. Maybe it's our own health that's been so exhausting. We've heard from Paul some of the exhaustion he's felt with his own poor health this last term. And so we long for more strength in the year ahead. Or maybe we just long for something better in life. We can't quite put a finger on it. We can't quite describe it. But we just feel a sense of dissatisfaction with how things are going at the moment. And we look forward to the year ahead and we just want something better, more joy, more happiness, more pleasure. Maybe a new job or a new relationship or just something to change to give us a better year. Psalm 84 is a song that aches with longing. Look at verse two. The psalmist says, my soul yearns, even faints. My heart and my flesh cry out. The psalmist knows what it is like to be a person of longing. They too live in a broken world with all the complexities and exhaustions that come at people. And the psalmist looks forward to the future and and longs for something better than his current experience. And the purpose of this psalm for us today is to help us to see and believe that the answer to all our heart's longing is found only and fully in the Lord. Can you see that in Psalm uh, 84 verse 2. The psalmist says, My soul yearns, even faints. For what? For the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. For whom? For the living God. At the start of this new academic year, we're going to do something slightly different that I don't think we've done before here, at least not in my time whilst being here. Most years, we invite the church family to take part in a financial review of our money, and that's good for us to do every year because it's a chance for us to check if our hearts are are viewing money in a healthy way. But, But this term, we're doing a different kind of review, not of our money, but of our hearts and our priorities, where our energies go, where our thoughts fly away to when we have a spare moment, what dominates our diaries. Are we investing wisely with our energies, our passions, our delights? So over the next few weeks, we'll think about how we invest in our Christian friendships, how we invest in speaking about Christ, how we invest in serving other Christians, and and how we work um, and labor in our day jobs. But this morning, we begin by thinking about the most important thing, our relationship with the Lord. And the purpose of Psalm 84, I think, is to help us, whether we are brand new to Christian things or we've been Christian for many, many years, this psalm is here to persuade us that all our longings for a better life will only be truly and fully met in and through a living, active, eternal relationship with the Lord, the one true God, the God of the Bible. So let's dive in. 
And we'll see only our relationship with the Lord will provide first a safe home. Look at verse one. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. These are strong words. These are words of, of emotion. They are full life words of, of, of mind and heart. Why does the psalmist feel so strongly about the Lord? Well, I think verse three begins to show us. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. In the Bible, a sparrow is a small insignificant creature. Jesus himself used the the smallness of a sparrow to help us to see that if our heavenly father cares for even a sparrow, then how much more will he care for all people that he's made? And the psalmist marvels. The Lord Almighty, the one who has made heavens and earth, he's made the, the mighty mountains and the billowing seas, that great God cares about the little ones the insignificant creatures, the sparrows, even they are welcomed in to his dwelling place. Now look, I'm no ornithologist, I'm no expert in birds, but it doesn't take an expert to know that when a bird looks for a place to make a nest and to raise their young, they look for somewhere safe. So a bird doesn't build their nest on a motorway, but high up in the trees because it's safe. But there's something odd about the location of the nests in verse three. Did you notice? Next to the Lord's altar. The altar was a place of sacrifice. It was a place where lots of animals, including small birds, were routinely slaughtered and then burned. And yet here is a little sparrow, a swallow nesting right next to the altar. It feels a bit like a chicken choosing to settle down in the kitchen of KFC. It's just not a very wise location, you would think, for that kind of home. But look again, and something wonderful is being shown to us. The altar is the place of sacrifice that makes relationship possible. How can a holy God come and dwell amongst a sinful people who have rebelled against him? Well, the Bible says it takes a sacrifice on an altar here, that's how. And this little sparrow signifies a person who's come in, a little person, an insignificant person, you would think, but a person who has found a nest, a home, right in the presence of God because of the altar. Sacrifice making relationship possible. And at the start of this new year, I wonder if this is our view of the Lord Almighty. Yes, he's made the heavens and the earth, but do we realize that he loves the little people, the sparrows of this world who seem so insignificant? He, in fact, more than that, he, he wants them to come in and to rejoice in the safety found in his dwelling place. There's a room to nest in safety next to the altar. It's a great comfort for us as we think about the year ahead that the Lord knows and cares about us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be where he is. 
Well, the psalmist, I, I assume the psalmist has a place to live. There's no indication in the psalm that he's homeless or in exile. But even though he has a house that he can call home, as he writes the psalm, he longs for a better home. He longs to be that sparrow who can fly in and, and settle and nest in absolute safety before the Lord Almighty. And so verse four, he says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I enjoy going to visit old country houses, you know, houses like Chatsworth. I imagine many of us have been uh, there for a visit. And um, as I walk around those old houses, one thing I like to do is to imagine what it would be like to not be a day visitor, but a dweller in a house like Chatsworth. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? You can imagine as you walk through the front door, I can't remember the layout, but um, in these houses, there's a big sweeping staircase, majestic, kind of rising up through the, the building. That would be grand, wouldn't it, to welcome your friends there. You walk into the dining room, there's a big roaring fire over there, a huge spread of food. That would be wonderful to kind of invite people to eat with you there. There's a, a kind of stunning bedroom and just so much space and grandeur. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were not a day guest, but a dweller? And at 5 p.m., when the guests were chucked out, you could stay because it was your house. And of course, a day guest can only see part of the house before they have to go, whereas a dweller, well, they can access the whole house. It's all theirs. And I think that's the longing of verse four. This psalmist has, I guess, been up to the temple, perhaps for one of the great feast days of the people of God, and he's, he's had some access to the temple, but, but just for a few hours, just a day visitor. But he wonders... Wow, imagine what it would be like to not be a day visitor to the temple, but a dweller forever. That would be something wonderful. That's verse four. What about us here today? There is no temple now. It was destroyed in AD 70. There's no altar, no place of sacrifice anymore. But we have something better when the Lord Jesus came into this world, he lived a perfect life. He gave that perfect life as the perfect, once for all, final sacrifice that secures for the people of God perfect and eternal access into God's very presence forever. Which means today, we don't have to go to a special building or a certain place to encounter God's presence. No, he's with us now by his spirit. But yet we still long because the fulfillment of this psalm is not yet with us. We long for that day when God comes down from heaven and as Revelation 21 says, God makes his dwelling with man and then for eternity we'll have that perfect face-to-face access with God forever that this psalmist longs for and looks forward to. Wouldn't it be wonderful to not be a day visitor but a dweller with the Lord forever? And when the new creation comes, so will that moment we've been longing for. A moment when we are welcomed into our true home with the Lord in utter safety forever. I wonder if you remember that British gas advert. They said, your home is your world. And then the British gas offer, we'll look after your world for a fee, of course. Very kind of them. It is very clever advertising because... Home matters a very great deal to us. 
in many ways, it is our world. But the only person who can really look after our world, who can look after our homes, is the Lord Jesus. He's the only one who can secure for us an eternal place of safety and rest and protection that we long for. We won't find it here. It's so very easy to believe the adverts and to think that our present homes can fulfill our our longings to be home. And so we're sucked into thinking that if we just work a bit harder and earn some more money, we can buy a bigger house. That will make us feel more at home. We spend uh, hours saving and scheming and painting and decorating and we compare and contrast trying to find that perfect home where we can settle at last. But no home now compares with the home the Lord has prepared for us in the new creation. A place where we will nest down like a little sparrow before the Lord, utterly safe forever. And so this year, I wonder what we're longing for. It is right to long to be home. It's a good longing. But we won't find that longing fulfilled in our physical home now. We would do well to keep our roots shallow in this life and to look forward to the home to come with the Lord and invest in that home, to look forward to it, to think about it, to treasure in the thoughts of it. And only a relationship with the Lord provides a truly safe home, the home that we long for and need most of all. That's our first point. Next, only a relationship with the Lord will provide a surprising strength. You see, all this talk of being home sounds lovely, and we want to be there now, don't we? But the psalmist knows that that home is in the future, and we, we know now, don't we? It's only until when Christ returns will we have that fullness. What about now in the present, as we long to be home? It can be hard to keep going with all the hassles, cares, and concerns of living in a broken world. Well, look at verse 5. The psalmist says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, the word Baca means balsam tree. And I'm told by the experts that balsam trees typically grow in very hot, dry climates, the kind of place where lots of other trees would struggle to grow. And I don't think uh, Sheffield helps us here as you try to imagine this valley of Baca. Uh, the Mayfield Valley is a place I often walk the dog just down the hill there. And I think it could be called the Mudfield Valley rather than the Mayfield Valley. It's so muddy and wet so often down there. But work with me. Try to imagine it. The Valley of Baca, a hot, dry, brutal place. As we trudge through the valley, the, the dust is flicked up and it hits our eyes and it makes us our eyes water, they stream with the dust. Our, our tongue sticks to the roof of our mouth because we're so thirsty. Our heads pound with the heat and the oppression of this valley. It's a metaphor for what it's like to go through this broken world. It's a valley of Baca, a hot, dry, dusty valley. And there will be seasons when our circumstances, our environment, make us feel about as comfortable, as prosperous, as uh, at ease as living in an arid desert. 
And in those moments when we feel that the heat coming on us, one temptation is just to, to bunker down and to collect our meager resources and just try to survive. But notice what the psalmist says. Verse five again. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. What does he mean? Well, uh, let's think about the Snake Pass for a little while. Do you know the Snake Pass, the A57 that runs from Sheffield over the hills to Manchester? I don't, I don't like it at all. I hate the road. Uh, we've got a, a small car with a small engine, and uh, it really struggles up the hill, particularly at the final bit when it's really steep at the top. And as we're kind of driving along, I wouldn't be surprised if a cyclist would overtake us as we head up the hill. And um, people drive so fast on the Snake Pass. They overtake you on blind bends. It makes me nervous. Then as you go up on the left-hand side, there's a big ravine partway up that just petrifies me. A wrong turn, and you're off into it. And then almost inevitably, if you do make it to the top alive, it's foggy. You can't see a thing. And if you survive the fog, well, as you come down the far side, it's a long, steep hill down. I fear my brakes will fail at every bend. I hate the snake pass. Now, I don't want to offend you. A couple of people from the, the previous service told me how much they love the snake pass. I'm sorry. If that's you this morning, I'm, I'm happy for you. But personally, I, I hate it. Why do I endure the snake pass? Because there's something beyond it that's good. Not glossop. Although, I've got nothing against glossop. For us, beyond it is the road that we need to take in order to get home to family. And that's why we survived the snake pass. Now look, the snake path is nothing compared to what life will throw at us. The valley of Baca, for us, can be far worse. For some of us, it will be cancer. For others of us, it will be um, depression, anxiety. For others, it will be disappointment in life. It's just not what we thought it would be like. There can be an exhaustion that comes to us in life. The demands coming just overwhelm us. The worries that we experience for loved ones, for ourselves, our work, our friendships. But there is a surprising strength available to the people of God as we pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of dryness. And it comes to those whose heart has been set on pilgrimage, who know that there is something beyond the valley that makes it worth it, that is good. And for the psalmist, it's a pilgrimage to the Lord's house where the Lord dwells, to be with the Lord. And the thing about my experience of the snake pass is, the next time I go through it, I'll still hate it. It's still hard. It's still windy and steep and scary, and people still drive too fast. But because I know it takes me somewhere I want to be, it changes how I feel about the experience of going through it. It gives me a strength to face it. And I think that's something what the psalmist is saying here, verse now, six. It's not that the valley of Baca becomes actually easy and full of water and life. It's just that they are sustained through it such that they experience it differently. It doesn't undo them anymore. They can survive it because they have a surprising strength, not in their circumstances, but in the Lord who will keep them through until they arrive. I've had the extraordinary privilege a number of times over the years of of sitting with a pilgrim 
in hospital as they face their final days. For various reasons, um, health has meant that they are dying. And it's been an absolute joy at times to sit and to listen to the pilgrim. As they talk about, yes, the reality of their failing bodies, and yes, it can be dreadfully sad and painful and scary, but to see the strength that they have to endure that valley, knowing that beyond it awaits the Lord and his home. There is a surprising strength for God's people. Look at verse seven. Those who pilgrim, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Zion was the mount within Jerusalem where the temple was located. And as we go through the Bible, Zion becomes a shorthand for the moment when God returns from heaven to earth and dwells amongst his people, the new creation. And for those of us who know that that is our future, as we pilgrim to that day, there's a surprising strength the Lord gives us. And at the start of this new academic year, can I ask us, where are we looking for the strength to get through this coming year? I know myself that so often I look to my own resources for strength, or it's easy to rely on another person, or we try to escape by looking forward to the next holiday or the next moment of relief. And nothing wrong with those things. But the psalmist is saying to us, I know a, 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 be- a better, a, a bigger source of strength that is surprising. It makes no sense in light of our circumstances, but it gets us through trusting in the Lord and confident of his destination, Zion, the new creation. And so I, I would urge us this term as we think about wise investments to make sure that we think much of where we are heading as we pilgrim. We are in Christ going to the new creation. Feed our hearts and minds with God's word and as we pray, ask the Lord's help to remember to find strength in our future destination. Only a relationship with the Lord will provide a surprising strength. And finally, only a relationship with the Lord will provide a secure blessing. One of the reasons why I struggle to long for Zion, for the new creation, our home with the Lord forever, is because at times I'm just not convinced it will be that good. And it is hard to, to visualize it, isn't it? There's, there, there are no photos, no films to watch. There, there are no trip advisor reviews from past visitors who can tell us just how, how worthwhile it is going there. No one's come back to say to me, Pete, yes, it really is that good. And so as we wait, as we are pilgrims, we can wonder, is it really that good? Well, look at verse 10. The psalmist says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The psalmist is very clear. There's no doubt about it. If you had to choose between staying in this life or going to be with the Lord, it's much, much better to dwell with the Lord forever. It is worth it. And I guess in our best moments, we do agree with the psalmist. But so often we flip things around and we look at the psalm and we say, well, actually, to be honest, the way I feel at the moment, my heart says that a thousand days elsewhere feel better than a day with the Lord. That's how I feel at the moment. Or... 
better to dwell in the tents of the wicked than in the house of my God. Now in the Psalms, wicked people aren't necessarily the kind of villains we might think of, you know, the kind of person who might rob a, a pensioner of their life savings through a scam or something like that. Now, in the Psalms, wickedness is more of a relational word. It just means wanting God to shove off, to clear away, to, to live our lives on our own. God, I've got this, thank you. I run my life my own way. That's, that's what a wicked person says. And it's so easy to look at what the wicked do in the world around us and to be, to be tempted to hang out with them. The wicked person can spend their money their way. They can run after their own pleasures and pursuits. Their sex life is their own control. They can choose how they spend their free time. And it's easy easy to look at the wicked and think, oh, I know that being with the Lord is good, but actually in the moment, the wicked life, it just seems better. It seems good. There's a struggle in us. So why is the psalmist so convinced that it is better to be with the Lord than in this life with the wicked? Well, look at verse 10. See the logic of what he is saying. He says, yes, it is better to be with the Lord. Why? Well, verse 11, there's a four. Here's the logic. Four, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The sun brings life and warmth and cheer. A shield, protection. Safety against threats. Verse 11, again, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for, for those whose walk is blameless. Uh, just to mention that in the Psalms, to be a blameless person doesn't mean a perfect person. It just means a person who trusts in the Lord alone. And can you see what the psalmist is saying? To live a life with the Lord means to live a life where we experience a life of sun and of shielding, a life of favor and honor, a life where no good thing is withheld from us. Verse 12, a life that is blessed, securely so. And where else in this life can we find sun and protection and warmth and cheer and blessing and satisfaction and favor and honor and goodness? Our our job cannot bring us this, not completely, a hobby, a person, a sin, a, a lust, an excess. None of these things can bring us those deep longings. They can't fulfill them. If you're new to Christian things, it's great to have you here this morning. One of the misconceptions I often hear from those people who are new to Christian things is that they, they have a view of Jesus that he, he comes to life to, to kind of spoil our lives. He, he ruins and restricts joy. He comes with all these rules and regulations and he makes our, our lives less fun than they used to be. But Jesus doesn't come to ruin life. No, he, he secures blessing forever. And it is Jesus who does all of this. I wonder if you noticed in verse nine that the psalmist prays for God's anointed one. He's talking about the king over the people. And in the Old Testament, when they had a good king ruling well, then the people under him prospered, and a bad king, the people despaired. And when the Lord Jesus comes, he is the king of kings. He is the best of kings. He is the king we need and long for. And under his kingly rule, forever we are blessed and protected. It's through him these blessings come to us. And the reason why it is better to be at one day in the courts of the Lord, in the new creation, is because our king will be there, the Lord Jesus. 
He is the one who gives us the sun and the shields and the favor and the honor. He withholds no good thing from us in the new creation. He has secured that blessing forever for his people. And only a relationship with the Lord can provide us that secure blessing. Well, this morning, I think Psalm 84, as we read through it, it's a bit like attending a wedding. At a wedding, if you're a guest, you watch two people at the front declare how they feel about one another. They express their love for one another. And if you had that experience of being a guest, you can't help but look at your own life and wonder, do I love like that? Well, as we watch the psalmist declare his undying, passionate love for the Lord, we're bound to wonder, do I love the Lord like that? I know in my own life that my love falters. And for those who falter in their love at the start of this new year, I hope we've seen this morning that the Lord fulfills, meets our longings. He alone, for he alone is big enough and powerful enough and loving enough and caring enough and eternal enough to meet all our heart longings. And so this year, invest wisely. Invest in knowing and loving the Lord for he meets the longings of our hearts. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that there is room and space for even the little sparrows to nest in your presence. And we thank you that that means that one day, even if we feel small and insignificant, one day through the sacrifice of Jesus, that we will find our home in your house in the new creation forever. Father, as we long for a better world, as we weep in this broken life, please help us to be a people who set our longings on what is to come, on all that the Lord Jesus will bring to us when we are home with him forever in the new creation. And until then, help us to be pilgrims who sets our sights on Zion. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.